Good evening. Before I begin, I want to send a special message to everyone who's been affected by Hurricane Laura. Our hearts are with you. The President will continue to support you every step of the way. And just like Americans always do, the nation will come together to help you rebuild your homes, businesses, and communities stronger and more resilient than ever before. Four years ago, I introduced to you a builder, an entrepreneur, an outsider, and the people's nominee for President of the United States. Tonight, I stand before you as the proud daughter of the people's president. He is our commander-in-chief, champion of the American worker, defender of common sense, and our voice for the forgotten men and women of this country. He is our president and my father, Donald J. Trump. This evening, I want to tell you about the leader I know and the moments I wish every American could see. I want to tell you the story of a president who is fighting for you from dawn to midnight, when the cameras have left, the microphones are off, and the decisions really count. When Jared and I moved with our three young children to Washington, we didn't exactly know what we were in for, but our kids, our kids loved it from the start. My son, Joseph, promptly built Grandpa a Lego replica of the White House. The president still displays it on the mantle in the Oval Office right over there so that he can show world leaders just so they know he has the greatest grandchildren on Earth. I agree. <laughs> over the last four years, we've learned a lot. I've seen in Washington it's easy for politicians to survive if they silence their convictions and skip the hard fights. I couldn't believe so many politicians actually prefer to complain about a problem rather than fix it. I was shocked to see people leave major challenges unsolved so they can blame the other side, campaign on the same issue in the next election. But Donald Trump did not come to Washington to win praise from the Beltway elites. Donald Trump came to Washington for one reason and one reason alone, to make America great again. My father has strong convictions. He knows what he believes, and he says what he thinks. Whether you agree with him or not, you always know where he stands. I recognize that my dad's communication style is not to everyone's taste, and I know that his tweets can feel a bit unfiltered. But the results, the results speak for themselves. He is so unapologetic about his beliefs that he has caused me and countless Americans to take a hard look at our own convictions and ask ourselves, what do we stand for? What kind of America do we want to leave for our children? I am more certain than ever before we want a future where our kids can believe in American greatness. We want a society where every child can live in a safe community and go to a great school 
of their choice. We want a culture where differences of opinion and debate are encouraged, not canceled, where law enforcement is respected, where our country's rich diversity is celebrated, and where people of all backgrounds, races, genders, and creeds have the chance to achieve their God-given potential. This is the future my father is working to build each and every day. We want a society where every child can live in a safe community and go to a great school. Building, after all, is what he's done his whole life. He has admired and befriended construction workers on countless job sites. But it has been a new and profound experience for him and for me to see these stoic machinists and steel workers come to him with a tear in their eye and thank him for being the only person willing to go to the mat for them, for their jobs, for their families, and for their futures. To the hardworking men and women across America and here tonight, you are the reason my father fights with all of his heart and all of his might. You are the reason he ran for president in the first place, and you are the reason he is going to keep fighting for four more years. One evening in early February of 2018, we were in the Oval Office with my father's top economic advisors, and the president was pushing to keep the promise he made to renegotiate the bad trade deals that had gutted millions of middle-class jobs. Most of his advisors argued that the economy was so strong following our historic tax and regulatory cuts that it didn't make sense to risk rocking the boat. After the meeting, as I walked with my father back towards the residence, he said, you know, the reason this has never been done before is because our leaders haven't had the guts. When the economy is good, they settle for good, and when things are bad, they don't have the will or ability, so they kick the can until it's someone else's problem. He was right. If my father didn't take on these fights, no one would. In the months that followed, President Trump refused to settle for a good deal. He wanted a great deal, and ultimately, that is exactly what we got. I remember each time he was updated on the progress of the new trade deal with Mexico and Canada, he would say, don't let down those dairy farmers I met in Wisconsin. I don't want them to like this deal. I want them to love it. <laughs> Today, in the midst of this unprecedented global pandemic, it's more clear than ever that our president was absolutely correct to take on trade when he did and bring our jobs, our factories, and our life-saving medicines back to the USA. As our nation endures this grave trial, I pray for the families who are mourning the loss of a loved one, for those who are battling COVID-19, and for the first responders and the healthcare heroes who remain on the front line of this fight the grief, sorrow, and anxiety during this time is felt by all. 
I've been with my father and I've seen the pain in his eyes when he receives updates on the lives that have been stolen by this plague. I have witnessed him make some of the most difficult decisions of his life. I sat with him in the Oval Office as he stopped travel to Europe. I watched him take the strongest, most inclusive economy in a lifetime, the lowest unemployment in a half century, and the highest wage increase for working families in decades, and close it down to save American lives. It is why our president rapidly mobilized the full force of government and the private sector to produce ventilators within weeks, to build the most robust testing system in the world, and to develop safe and effective treatments, and very, very soon a vaccine. My father isn't deterred by defeatist thinkers. The word impossible, well, it only motivates him. Donald Trump rejects the cynical notion that this country's greatest achievements are behind us. He believes that nothing is beyond our reach and that the best is yet to come. I have seen all of my life how my dad believes in the potential of each individual. Earlier this evening, we were all inspired by the incredible testimony of Alice Johnson, a great-grandmother who was sentenced to life in prison for a first-time nonviolent drug offense. I was with my father when he decided to commute Alice's life sentence. Together we watched Alice leave prison after nearly 22 years. As she ran into the arms of her family and they celebrated a joyful reunion, my father got very quiet. I could see the emotion on his face. After a long silence, he looked at me and said, imagine how many people there are just like Alice. From that point on, he became a voice for those who had been unfairly silenced in our prison system. President Trump rectified the disparities of the 1994 Biden crime bill that disproportionately hurt African Americans. Against all odds, he brought together Republicans and Democrats and passed the most significant criminal justice reform of our generation, and we're just getting started. My father did not campaign on this issue. He tackled this injustice because he has a deep compassion for those who have been treated unfairly. More than rhetoric and political prose, the ability to build consensus and achieve bipartisan success will help heal our country's racial inequities and bring us forward together. President Trump is advancing the American values of work and family. Four years ago in Cleveland, I said President Trump would deliver for working women. Last year, over 70% of all new jobs were secured by women. Four years ago, I told you my father would focus on making childcare affordable and accessible. In President Trump's first term, we secured the largest ever increase for childcare funding, giving more than 800,000 low-income families great childcare at a cost they can afford. As part of Republican tax cuts, in 2019 alone, our child tax credit put over $2,000 into the pockets of 40 million American families.
Democrat politicians recently introduced a plan to increase the child tax credit. Yet when I was fighting less than three years ago at the president's direction to get Congress to double the child tax credit, not a single Democrat voted to pass the law. We got it done anyway. Four years ago, I promised that President Trump would support mothers in the workforce. In his first year in office, he signed into law the first-ever national paid leave tax credit. Today, eight million more Americans have access to this benefit. Four years ago, I said that Americans needed an economy that permits people to rise again. During President Trump's first three years in office, 72% of all new jobs went to Americans who had been outside of the workforce. Four years ago, I told you I would fight alongside my father, and four years later, here I am. Many of the issues my father has championed are not historically Republican priorities. Yet where Washington chooses sides, our president chooses common sense. Where politicians choose party, our president chooses people. Since the day he took the oath of office, I've watched my father take on the failed policies of the past and do what no leader has done before. Recently, he took dramatic action to cut the cost of prescription drugs, despite fielding angry calls from the CEOs of nearly every major pharmaceutical company. Now, when we see attack ads paid for by Big Pharma, my dad smiles and says to me, you know, we're doing something really right if they're hitting us so hard. This spring, our president saw that American crops were going to waste because food supply chains were disrupted by the virus. He directed Secretary Purdue and me to find a way to get this nutritious food, fresh fruit, vegetables, meat, and dairy, to families most in need. Within a matter of days, we launched the Farmers to Family Food Box Program, which has now delivered over 100 million meals to, into the hands of American families. To protect the most vulnerable among us, I've worked alongside the President as he signed into law nine pieces of legislation to combat the evil of human trafficking. I've stood by my father's side at Dover Air Force Base as he's received our fallen heroes, and each time it has steeled his resolve to finally stop, finally stop the endless foreign wars. To change the paradigm in the Middle East, he took a fresh approach. I heard foreign leaders beg him not to move the American embassy to Jerusalem, yet he delivered on a promise also made and unfulfilled by past presidents because my father knew that it was the right thing to do. Defying all expectations, just weeks ago, he rewrote history again by making a peace agreement in the Middle East, the biggest breakthrough in a quarter century.
For the first time in a long time, we have a president who has called out Washington's hypocrisy and they hate him for it. Dad, people attack you for being unconventional, but I love you for being real and I respect you for being effective. Our president refuses to surrender his beliefs to score point with the political elite. To my father, you are the elite. You are the only people he cares about scoring points with. If these problems were easy to solve, previous presidents would have done so. But you don't achieve different results by doing things the same way. Washington has not changed Donald Trump. Donald Trump has changed Washington. doesn't need another empty vessel who will do whatever the media and the fringe of his party demands. Now more than ever, America needs four more years of a warrior in the White House. Tonight, I could not be more proud to introduce my father, a man I know was made for this moment in history. My fellow Americans, our First Lady, and the 45th President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Thank you. 
Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Friends, delegates, and distinguished guests, please. I stand before you tonight honored by your support, proud of the extraordinary progress we have made together over the last four incredible years, and brimming with confidence in the bright future we will build for America over the next four years. We begin this evening. Our thoughts are with the wonderful people who have just come through the wrath of Hurricane Laura. We are working closely with state and local officials in Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, sparing no effort to save lives. While the hurricane was fierce, one of the strongest to make landfall in 150 years, the casualties and damage were far less than thought possible only 24 hours ago. And this is due to the great work of FEMA, law enforcement, and the individual states. I will be going this weekend. And congratulations. Thank you for that great job out there. We really appreciate it. We are one national family, and we will always protect, love, and care for each other. Here tonight are the people who have made my journey possible and filled my life with so much joy for her incredible service to our nation and its children. I want to thank our magnificent First Lady. I also want to thank my amazing daughter, Ivanka, for that introduction, and to all of my children. Ivanka, please stand up. Thank you. And to all of my children and grandchildren, I love you more than words can express. I know my brother, Robert, is looking down on us right now from heaven. He was a great brother and was very proud of the job we are all doing. Thank you. We love you, Robert. Let us also take a moment to show our profound appreciation for a man who has always fought by our side and stood up for our values, a man of deep faith and steadfast conviction, our Vice President Mike Pence. And Mike is joined by his beloved wife, a teacher, and military mom, Karen Pence. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. 
My fellow Americans tonight with a heart full of gratitude and boundless optimism, I profoundly accept this nomination for President of the United States. Republican Party, the party of Abraham Lincoln, goes forward united, determined, and ready to welcome millions of Democrats, independents, and anyone who believes in the greatness of America and the righteous heart of the American people. In a new term as President, we will again build the greatest economy in history, quickly returning to full employment, soaring incomes, and record prosperity. We will defend America against all threats and protect America against all dangers. We will lead America into new frontiers of ambition and discovery and we will reach for new heights of national achievement. We will rekindle new faith in our values, new pride in our history, and a new spirit of unity that can only be realized through love for our great country. Because we understand that America is not a land cloaked in darkness, America is the torch that enlightens the entire world. Gathered here at our beautiful and majestic White House, known all over the world as the People's House, we cannot help but marvel at the miracle that is our great American story. This has been the home of larger-than-life figures like Teddy Roosevelt and Andrew Jackson, who rallied Americans to bold visions of a bigger and brighter future. Within these walls lived tenacious generals like President Grant and Eisenhower, who led our soldiers in the cause of freedom. From these grounds, Thomas Jefferson, St. Louis and Clark, on a daring expedition to cross a wild and uncharted continent in the depths of a bloody civil war, President Abraham Lincoln looked out these very windows upon a half-completed Washington Monument and asked God in His providence to save our nation. Two weeks after Pearl Harbor, Franklin Delano Roosevelt welcomed Winston Churchill. And just inside, they set our people on a course to victory in the Second World War. In recent months, our nation and the entire planet has been struck by a new and powerful, invisible enemy. 
Like those brave Americans before us, we are meeting this challenge. We are delivering life-saving therapies and will produce a vaccine before the end of the year or maybe even sooner. We will defeat the virus, end the pandemic, and emerge stronger than ever before. What united generations past was an unshakable confidence in America's destiny and an unbreakable faith in the American people. They knew that our country is blessed by God and has a special purpose in this world. It is that conviction that inspired the formation of our union, our westward expansion, the abolition of slavery, the passage of civil rights, the space program, and the overthrow of fascism, tyranny, and communism. This towering American spirit has prevailed over every challenge and lifted us to the summit of human endeavor. And yet, despite all of our greatness as a nation, everything we have achieved is now in danger. This is the most important election in the history of our country. Thank you. At no time before have voters faced a clearer choice between two parties, two visions, two philosophies, or two agendas. This election will decide whether we save the American dream or whether we allow a socialist agenda to demolish our cherished destiny. It will decide whether we rapidly create millions of high-paying jobs or whether we crush our industries and send millions of these jobs overseas, as has foolishly been done for many decades. Your vote will decide whether we protect law-abiding Americans or whether we give free reign to violent anarchists and agitators and criminals who threaten our citizens. And this election will decide whether we will defend the American way of life or whether we will allow a radical movement to completely dismantle and destroy it. That won't happen. At the Democrat National Convention, Joe Biden and his party repeatedly assailed America as a land of racial, economic, and social injustice. So tonight, I ask you a simple question. How can the Democrat Party ask to lead our country when it spends so much time tearing down our country? In the left's backward view, 
They do not see America as the most free, just, and exceptional nation on Earth. Instead, they see a wicked nation that must be punished for its sins. Our opponents say that redemption for you can only come from giving power to them. This is a tired anthem spoken by every repressive movement throughout history. But in this country, we don't look to career politicians for salvation. In America, we don't turn to government to restore our souls. We put our faith in Almighty God. Joe Biden is not a savior of America's soul. He is the destroyer of America's jobs. And if given the chance, he will be the destroyer of American greatness. For 47 years, Joe Biden took the donations of blue-collar workers, gave them hugs and even kisses. and told them he felt their pain. And then he flew back to Washington and voted to ship our jobs to China and many other distant lands. Joe Biden spent his entire career outsourcing their dreams and the dreams of American workers, offshoring their jobs, opening their borders, and sending their sons and daughters to fight in endless foreign wars, wars that never ended. Four years ago, I ran for president because I could not watch this betrayal of our country any longer. I could not sit by as career politicians let other countries take advantage of us on trade, borders, foreign policy, and national defense. Our NATO partners, as an example, we're very far behind in their defense payments. But at my strong urging, they agreed to pay $130 billion more a year, the first time in over 20 years that they upped their payments. And this $130 billion will ultimately go to $400 billion a year. And Secretary General Stoltenberg, who heads NATO, was amazed after watching for so many years and said that President Trump did what no one else was able to do. Thank you. From the moment I left my former life behind, and it was a good life. <laughs> I have done nothing but fight for you. I did what our political establishment never expected and could never forgive, breaking the cardinal rule of Washington politics. I kept my promise.
Together, we have ended the rule of the failed political class, and they are desperate to get their power back by any means necessary. You've seen that. They are angry at me because instead of putting them first, I very simply said, America first. Thank you. Days after taking office, we shocked the Washington establishment and withdrew from the last administration's job-killing Trans-Pacific Partnership. I then immediately approved the Keystone XL and Dakota Access Pipelines, ended the unfair and very costly Paris Climate Accord, and secured for the first time American energy independence. We passed record-setting tax and regulation cuts at a rate nobody had ever seen before. Within three short years, we built the strongest economy in the history of the world. Washington insiders asked me not to stand up to China. They pleaded with me to let China continue stealing our jobs, ripping us off, and robbing our country blind. But I kept my word to the American people. We took the toughest, boldest, strongest, and hardest-hitting action against China in American history by far. They said that it would be impossible to terminate and replace NAFTA. But again, they were wrong. Earlier this year, I ended the NAFTA nightmare and signed the brand-new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement into law. And right now, auto companies and others are building their plants and factories in America, not firing their employees, and not deserting us for other countries. In perhaps no area did the Washington special interests try harder to stop us than on my policy of pro-American immigration. But I refuse to back down, and today America's borders are more secure than ever before. We ended catch and release, stopped asylum fraud, took down human traffickers who prey on women and children, and we have deported 20,000 gang members and 500,000 criminal aliens. We have already built 300 miles of border wall, and we are adding 10 new miles every single week. The war will soon be complete, and it is working beyond our wildest expectations.
We are joined this evening by members of the Border Patrol Union, representing our country's courageous border agents. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Brave, brave people. See, this country loves our law enforcement. They do. They do. They really do. Love and respect. When I learned that the Tennessee Valley Authority laid off hundreds of American workers and forced them to train their lower-paid foreign replacement, I promptly removed the chairman of the board and now those talented American workers have been rehired and are back providing power to Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi, North Carolina, and Virginia. They have their old jobs back, and some are here with us this evening. Please stand. You went through a lot. Please stand. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've been through a lot. Thank you very much. Last month, I took on Big Pharma. You think that's easy? It's not. And signed orders that will massively lower the cost of your prescription drugs and give critically ill patients access to life-saving cures. We passed the decades long awaited right to try, right to try. We also passed VA accountability and VA choice. Our great veterans, we're taking care of our veterans. 91% approval rating this month, the VA given by our veterans. First time anything like that's ever happened. By the end of my first term, we will have approved more than 300 federal judges, including two great new Supreme Court justices. And to bring prosperity to our forgotten inner cities, we worked hard to pass historic criminal justice reform, prison reform, opportunity zones, and long-term funding of historically black colleges and universities. And before the China virus came in, produced the best unemployment numbers for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, and Asian Americans ever recorded. And I say very modestly that I have done more for the African-American community than any president since Abraham Lincoln, our first Republican president.
And I have done more in three years for the black community than Joe Biden has done in 47 years. And when I'm reelected, the best is yet to come. When I took office, the Middle East was in total chaos. ISIS was rampaging, Iran was on the rise, and the war in Afghanistan had no end in sight. I withdrew from the terrible, one-sided Iran nuclear deal. Unlike many presidents before me, I kept my promise recognized Israel's true capital, and moved our embassy to Jerusalem. But not only did we talk about it as a future site, we got it built. Rather than spending $1 billion on a new building as planned, we took an already-owned existing building in a better location. Real estate deal, right? <laughs> and opened it at a cost of less than Many things like that that government is doing right now. We also recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. And this month, we achieved the first Middle East peace deal in 25 years. Thank you to UAE. Thank you to Israel. In addition, we obliterated 100 percent of the ISIS caliphate and killed its founder and leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Then, in a separate operation, we eliminated the world's number one terrorist by far, Qasim Soleimani. Unlike previous administrations, I have kept America out of new wars, and our troops are coming home. We have spent nearly $2.5 trillion on completely rebuilding our military, which was very badly depleted when I took office, as you know.
This includes three separate pay raises for our great warriors. We also launched the Space Force, the first new branch of the United States military since the Air Force was created almost 75 years ago. We have spent the last four years reversing the damage Joe Biden inflicted over the last 47 years. Biden's record is a shameful roll call of the most catastrophic betrayals and blunders in our lifetime. He has spent his entire career on the wrong side of history. Biden voted for the NAFTA disaster, the single worst trade deal ever enacted. He supported China's entry into the World Trade Organization, one of the greatest economic disasters of all time. After those Biden calamities, the United States lost one in four manufacturing jobs. We laid off workers in Michigan, Ohio, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and many other states. They didn't want to hear Biden's hollow words of empathy. They wanted their jobs back. As Vice President, he supported the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which would have been a death sentence for the U.S. auto industry. He backed the horrendous South Korea trade deal, which took many jobs from our country and which I've reversed and made a great deal for our country. He repeatedly supported mass amnesty for illegal immigrants. He voted for the Iraq War. He opposed the mission to take out Osama bin Laden. He opposed killing Soleimani. He oversaw the rise of ISIS and cheered the rise of China as a positive development for America and the world, some positive development. That's why China supports Joe Biden and desperately wants him to win. I can tell you that upon very good information. <laughs> China would own our country if Joe Biden got elected. Unlike Biden, I will hold them fully accountable for the tragedy that they caused all over the world, they caused. In recent months, our nation and the world has been hit by the once-in-a-century pandemic that China allowed to spread around the globe. They could have stopped it, but they allowed it to come out. We are grateful to be joined tonight by several of our incredible nurses and first responders. Please stand and accept our profound Thanks and gratitude. Many Americans, including me, have sadly lost friends and cherished loved ones to this horrible disease. As one nation, we mourn, we grieve, and we hold in our hearts forever the memories of all of those lives that have been so tragically taken, so unnecessary. In their honor, we will unite. In their memory, we will overcome. And when the China virus hit, 
We launched the largest national mobilization since World War II. Invoking the Defense Production Act, we produced the world's largest supply of ventilators. Not a single American who has needed a ventilator has been denied a ventilator, which is a miracle. Good job heading the task force by our great Vice President. Thank you very much, Mark. Please, please stand up. We shipped hundreds of millions of masks, gloves, and gowns to our frontline healthcare workers. To protect our nation's seniors, we rushed supplies, testing kits, and personal to nursing homes. We gave everything you can possibly give, and we're still giving it because we're taking care of our senior citizens. The Army Corps of Engineers built field hospitals, and the Navy deployed our great hospital ships. We developed from scratch the largest and most advanced testing system anywhere in the world. America has tested more than every country in Europe put together and more than every nation in the Western Hemisphere combined. Think of that. We have conducted 40 million more tests than the next closest nation, which is India. We developed a wide array of effective treatments, including a powerful antibody treatment known as convalescent plasma. You saw that on Sunday night when we announced it, that will save thousands and thousands of lives. Thanks to advances, we have pioneered the fatality rate. And you look at it, and you look at the numbers, it has been reduced by 80 percent since April, 80 percent. The United States has among the lowest case fatality rates of any major country anywhere in the world. The European Union's case fatality rate is nearly three times higher than ours, but you don't hear that. They don't write about that. They don't want to write about that. They don't want you to know those things. Altogether, the nations of Europe have experienced a 30 percent greater increase in excess mortality than the United States. Think of that. We enacted the largest package of financial relief in American history. Thanks to our Paycheck Protection Program, we have saved or supported more than 50 million American jobs. That's one of the reasons that we're advancing so rapidly with our economy. Great job. As a result, we have seen the smallest economic contraction of any major Western nation, and we are recovering at a much faster rate than anybody. Over the past three months, we have gained over 9 million jobs, and that's a record in the history of our country. Unfortunately, from the beginning, our opponents have shown themselves capable of nothing but a partisan ability to criticize. When I took bold action to issue a travel ban on China, very early indeed, Joe Biden called it hysterical and xenophobic. And then I introduced a ban on Europe very early again. If we had listened to Joe, hundreds of thousands more Americans would have died. 
Instead of following the science, Joe Biden wants to inflict a painful shutdown on the entire country. His shutdown would inflict unthinkable and lasting harm on our nation's children, families, and citizens of all backgrounds. The cost of the Biden shutdown would be measured in increased drug overdoses, depression, alcohol addiction, suicides, heart attacks, economic devastation, job loss, and much more. Joe Biden's plan is not a solution to the virus, but rather it's a surrender to the virus. My administration has a very different approach. To save as many lives as possible, we are focusing on the science, the facts, and the data. We are aggressively sheltering those at highest risk, especially the elderly, while allowing lower-risk Americans to safely return to work and to school. And we want to see so many of those great states be open by Democrats. We want them to be open. They have to be open. They have to get back to work. They have to get back to work, and they have to get back to school. Most importantly, we are marshalling America's scientific genius to produce a vaccine in record time. Under Operation Warp Speed, we have three different vaccines in the final stage of trials. Right now, years ahead of what has been achieved before, nobody thought it could ever be done this fast. Normally, it would be years, and we did it in a matter of a few months. We're producing them in advance so that hundreds of millions of doses will be quickly available. We will have a safe and effective vaccine this year, and together, we will crush the virus. At the Democrat convention, you barely heard a word about their agenda. But that's not because they don't have one. It's because their agenda is the most extreme set of proposals ever put forward by a major party nominee. Joe Biden may claim he is an ally of the light, but when it comes to his agenda, Biden wants to keep us completely in the dark. He doesn't have a clue. He has pledged a $4 trillion tax hike on almost all American families, which will totally collapse our rapidly improving economy and, once again, record stock markets that we have right now will also collapse. That means your 401ks. That means all of the stocks that you have. On the other hand, just as I did in my first term, I will cut taxes even further for hardworking moms and dads. I will not raise taxes. I will cut them, and very substantially. And we will also provide tax credits to bring jobs out of China back to America. And we will impose tariffs on any company that leaves America to produce jobs overseas. We will make sure our companies and jobs stay in our country, as I've already been doing for quite some time, if you've noticed. Joe Biden's agenda is made in China. My agenda is made in the USA.
Biden has promised to abolish the production of American oil, coal, shale, and natural gas, laying waste to the economies of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Texas, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Colorado, and New Mexico, destroying those states, absolutely destroying those states and others. Millions of jobs will be lost, and energy prices will soar. These same policies led to crippling power outages in California just last week. Everybody saw that. Tremendous power outage. Nobody's seen anything like it, but we saw that last week in California. How can Joe Biden claim to be an ally of the light when his own party can't even keep the lights on? Joe Biden's campaign has even published a 110-page policy platform. You can't get away from this. Co-authored with far-left Senator Crazy Bernie Sanders. The Biden-Bernie manifesto calls for suspending all removals of illegal aliens, implementing nationwide catch-and-release, and providing illegal aliens with free, taxpayer-funded lawyers. Everybody gets a lawyer. Come on over to our country. Everybody has a lawyer. We have a lawyer for you. That's what we need is more lawyers. <laughs> Joe Biden recently raised his hand on the debate stage and promised to your giveaway. He was going to give it away, your health care dollars to illegal immigrants, which is going to bring massive number of immigrants into our country. Massive numbers will pour into our country in order to get all of the goodies that they want to give, education, health care, everything. He also supports deadly sanctuary cities that protect criminal aliens. He promised to end national security travel bans from jihadist nations, and he pledged to increase refugee admissions by 700 percent. This is in the manifesto. The Biden plan would eliminate America's borders in the middle of a global pandemic. And he's even talking about taking the wall down. How about that? <laughs> Biden also vowed to oppose school choice and close all charter schools, ripping away the ladder of opportunity for black and Hispanic children. In a second term, I will expand charter schools and provide school choice to every family in America. And we will always treat our teachers with the tremendous respect that they deserve. Great people. Great, great people. Joe Biden claims he has empathy for the vulnerable, yet the party he leads supports the extreme late-term abortion of defenseless babies right up until the moment of birth. Democrat leaders talk about moral decency, but they have no problem with stopping a baby's beating heart in the ninth month of pregnancy. Democrat politicians refuse to protect innocent life and then they lecture us about morality and saving America's soul. Tonight, we proudly declare that all children, born and unborn, 
have a God-given right to life. During the Democrat convention, the words, under God, were removed from the Pledge of Allegiance. Not once, but twice. We will never do that. But the fact is, this is where they're coming from. Like it or not, this is where they're coming from. If the left gains power, they will demolish the suburbs, confiscate your guns, and appoint justices who will wipe away your Second Amendment and other constitutional freedoms. Biden is a Trojan horse for socialism. If Joe Biden doesn't have the strength to stand up to wild-eyed Marxists like Bernie Sanders and his fellow radicals, and there are many, there are many, many, we see them all the time, it's incredible, actually, then how is he ever going to stand up for you? He's not. The most dangerous aspect of the Biden platform is the attack on public safety. The Biden-Bernie manifesto calls for abolishing cash bail, immediately releasing 400,000 criminals onto the streets and into your neighborhoods. When asked if he supports cutting police funding, Joe Biden replied, yes, absolutely. When Congresswoman Ilhan Omar called the Minneapolis Police Department a cancer that is rotten to the root, Biden wouldn't disavow her support and reject her endorsement. He proudly displayed it shortly later on his website. Displayed it in big letters. Make no mistake, if you give power to Joe Biden, the radical left will defund police departments all across America. They will pass federal legislation to reduce law enforcement nationwide. They will make every city look like Democrat-run Portland, Oregon. No one will be safe in Biden's America. My administration will always stand with the men and women of law enforcement. Every day, police officers risk their lives to keep us safe. And every year, many sacrifice their lives in the line of duty. One of these incredible Americans was Detective Miostas Familia. She was part of a team of American heroes called the NYPD, or New York's Finest, who I was very, very proud to get their endorsement just the other day. Great people, great, great people. They were allowed to do their job. You'd have no crime in New York. Rudy Giuliani knows that better than anybody. Thank you, Rudy. Three years ago, on the 4th of July weekend, Detective Familia was on duty in her vehicle when she was ambushed just after midnight and murdered by a monster who hated her purely for wearing the badge. Detective Familia was a single mom, she recently asked for the night shift so she could spend more time with her kids. Two years ago, I stood in front of the U.S. Capitol alongside those beautiful children. 
and held their grandmother's hand as they mourned their terrible loss. And we honored Detective Familia's extraordinary life. It was extraordinary. Detective Familia's three children are with us this evening. Genesis, Peter, Delilah, we are so grateful to have you here tonight. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I promise you that we will treasure your mom in our memories forever. We must remember that the overwhelming majority of police officers in this country, and that's the overwhelming majority, are noble, courageous, and honorable. We have to give law enforcement, our police, back their power. They are afraid to act. They are afraid to lose their pension. They are afraid to lose their jobs. And by being afraid, they are not able to do the job that they so desperately want to do for you. And those who suffer most are the great people who they protect and who they want to protect at an even higher level. When there is police misconduct, the justice system must hold wrongdoers fully and completely accountable, and it will. But when we can never have a situation where things are going on as they are today, we must never allow mob rule. We can never allow mob rule. In the strongest possible terms, the Republican Party condemns the rioting, looting, arson, and violence we have seen in Democrat-run cities all like Kenosha, Minneapolis, Portland, Chicago, and New York, and many others, Democrat-run. There is violence and danger in the streets of many Democrat-run cities throughout America. This problem could easily be fixed if they wanted to. Just call. We're ready to go in. We'll take care of your problem in a matter of hours. Just call. We have to wait for the call. It's too bad we have to, but we have to wait for the call. We must always have law and order. All federal crimes are being investigated, prosecuted, and punished to the fullest extent of the law. When the anarchists started ripping down our statues and monuments right outside, I signed an order immediately. Ten years in prison, and it was a miracle. It all stopped. No more statues. They said, that's just too long, as they looked at a statue. I think we'll rip it down. Then they said, 10 years in prison. I think that's too long. Let's go home. During their convention, Joe Biden and his supporters remained completely silent about the rioters and criminals spreading mayhem in Democrat-run cities. They never even mentioned it during their entire convention, never once mentioned. Now they're starting to mention it because their poll numbers are going down like a rock in water. It's too late, Joe. In the face of left-wing anarchy and mayhem in Minneapolis, Chicago, and other cities, Joe Biden's campaign 
did not condemn it. They donated to it. At least 13 members of Joe Biden's campaign staff donated to a fund to bail out vandals, arsonists, anarchists, looters, and rioters from jail. Here tonight is the grieving family of retired police captain David Dorn, a 38-year veteran of the St. Louis Police Department, a great man and a highly respected man by all. In June, Captain Dorn was shot and killed as he tried to protect his store from rioters and looters, or as the Democrats would call them, peaceful protesters. They call them peaceful protesters. We're honored to be joined tonight by his wonderful wife, Anne, and beloved family members, Brian and Kaylin. To each of you, we will never forget the heroic legacy of Captain David Dorn. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great man. Great man. As long as I am President, we will defend the absolute right of every American citizen to live in security, dignity, and peace. If the Democrat Party wants to stand with anarchists, agitators, rioters, looters, and flag burners, that is up to them. But I, as your President, will not be a part of it. The Republican Party will remain the voice of the patriotic heroes who keep America safe and salute the American flag. Last year, over 1,000 African-Americans were murdered as a result of violent crime in just four Democrat-run cities. The top 10 most dangerous cities in the country are run by Democrats and have been for many decades. Thousands more African-Americans are victims and victims of violent crime in these communities. Joe Biden and the left ignore these American victims. I never will. If the radical left takes power, they will apply their disastrous policies to every city, town, and suburb in America. Just imagine if the so-called peaceful demonstrators in the streets were in charge of every lever of power in the U.S. government. Just think of that. Liberal politicians claim to be concerned about the strength of American institutions. But who exactly is attacking them? Who is hiring the radical professors, judges, and prosecutors? Who is trying to abolish immigration enforcement and establish speech codes designed to muzzle dissent? In every case, the attacks on American institutions are being waged by radical left. Always remember, they are coming after me because I am fighting for you. That's what's happening. And it's been going on from before I even got elected. And remember this. They spied 
on my campaign, and they got caught. Let's see now what happens. We must reclaim our independence from the left's repressive mandates. Americans are exhausted trying to keep up with the latest list of approved words and phrases and the ever more restrictive political decrees. Many things have a different name now, and the rules are constantly changing. The goal of cancel culture is to make decent Americans live in fear of being fired, expelled, shamed, humiliated, and driven from society as we know it. The far left wants to coerce you into saying what you know to be false and scare you out of saying what you know to be true. Very sad. But on November 3rd, you can send them a very thundering message they will never forget. Thank you. Thank you very much. Joe Biden is weak. He takes his marching orders from liberal hypocrites who drive their cities into the ground while fleeing far from the scene of the wreckage. These same liberals want to eliminate school choice while they enroll their children in the finest private schools in the land. They want to open our borders while living in Waldorf compounds and communities in the best neighborhoods in the world. They want to defund the police while they have armed guards for themselves. This November, we must turn the page forever on this failed political class. The fact is, I'm here. What's the name of that building? But I'll say it differently. The fact is, we're here, and they're not. To me, one of the most beautiful buildings anywhere in the world, and it's not a building, it's a home, as far as I'm concerned. Not even a house, it's a home. It's a wonderful place with an incredible history. But it's all because of you. Together, we will write the next chapter of the great American story. Over the next four years, we will make America into the manufacturing superpower of the world. We will expand Opportunity Zones. Thank you, Tim Scott. Bring home our medical supply chains, and we will end our resilience for bad things. We will go right after China. We will not rely on them one bit. We are taking our business out of China. We are bringing it home. We want our business to come home. We will continue to reduce taxes and regulations at levels not seen before. We will create 10 million jobs in the next 10 months. And it'll be higher than that. 
We will hire more police, increase penalties for assaults on law enforcement, and surge federal prosecutors into high-crime communities. We will ban deadly sanctuary cities and ensure that federal health care is protected for American citizens, not for illegal aliens. We will have strong borders. And I've said for years, without borders, we don't have a country. Don't have a country. Strike down terrorists to threaten our people and keep America out of endless and costly foreign wars. We will appoint prosecutors, judges, justices who believe in enforcing the law, not enforcing their own political agenda, which is illegal. We will ensure equal justice for citizens of every race, religion, color, and creed. We will uphold your religious liberty and defend your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And if we don't win, your Second Amendment doesn't have a chance. I can tell you that. I have totally protected it. We will protect Medicare and Social Security. We will always and very strongly protect patients with pre-existing conditions. And that is a pledge from the entire Republican Party. Thank you, Kevin. We will end surprise medical billing require price transparency, and further reduce the cost of prescription drugs and health insurance premiums. They're coming way down. We will greatly expand energy development, continuing to remain the number one in the world and keep America energy independent. And for those of you that still drive a car, look how low your gasoline bill is. You haven't seen that in a long time. We will win the race to 5G and build the world's best cyber and missile defense already under construction. We will fully restore patriotic education to our schools and always protect we will always, always protect free speech on college campuses. And we put a very big penalty in. They do anything having to do with your free speech. Colleges have to pay a tremendous, tremendous financial penalty. And again, it's amazing how open they've been lately. We will launch a new age of American ambition in space. America will land the first woman on the moon, and the United States will be the first nation to plant its beautiful flag on Mars. This is the unifying national agenda that will bring our country together. So tonight, I say to all Americans, this is the most important election 
in the history of our country. There has never been such a difference between two parties or two individuals in ideology, philosophy, or vision than there is right now. Our opponents believe that America is a depraved nation. We want our sons and daughters to know the truth. America is the greatest and most exceptional nation in the history of the world. Our country wasn't built by cancel culture, speech codes, and soul-crushing conformity. We are not a nation of timid spirits. We are a nation of fierce, proud, and independent American patriots. We're a nation of pilgrims, pioneers, adventurers, explorers, and trailblazers who refuse to be tied down, held back, or in any way reined in. Americans have steel in their spines, grit in their souls, and fire in their hearts. There is no one like us on Earth. I want every child in America to know that you are part of the most exciting and incredible adventure in human history. No matter where your family comes from, no matter your background in America, anyone can rise. With hard work, devotion, and drive, you can reach any goal and achieve every ambition. Our American ancestors sailed across the perilous ocean to build a new life on a new continent. They braved the freezing winters, crossed the raging rivers, scaled the rocky peaks, trekked the dangerous forests, and worked from dawn till dusk. These pioneers didn't have money. They didn't have fame. But they had each other. They loved their families. They loved their country. And they loved their God. When opportunity beckoned, they picked up their Bibles, packed up their belongings, climbed into their covered wagons, and set out west for the next adventure. Ranchers and miners, cowboys and sheriffs, farmers and settlers, they pressed on past the Mississippi to stake a claim in the wild frontier. Legends were born. Wyatt Earp, Annie Oakley, Davy Crockett, and Buffalo Bill. Americans built their beautiful homesteads on the open range. Soon they had churches and communities, then towns, and with time, great centers of industry and commerce. That is who they were. Americans build their future. We don't tear down our past. We are the nation that won a revolution toppled tyranny and fascism, and delivered millions into freedom. We laid down the railroads, built the great ships, raised up the skyscrapers, revolutionized industry, and sparked a new age of scientific discovery. We set the trends in art and music, radio and film, 
sport and literature. And we did it all with style and confidence and flair, because that is who we are. Whenever our way of life was threatened, our heroes answered the call. From Yorktown to Gettysburg, from Normandy to Iwo Jima, American patriots raced into cannon blasts, bullets, and bayonets to rescue American liberty. They had no fear, but America didn't stop there. We looked into the sky and kept pressing onward. We built a six-million-pound rocket and launched it thousands of miles into space. We did it so that two brave patriots could stand tall and salute our wondrous American flag planted on the face of the moon. For America, nothing is impossible. Over the next four years, we will prove worthy of this magnificent legacy. We will reach stunning new heights, and we will show that the world, for America, there is a dream, and it is not beyond your reach. Together, we are unstoppable. Together, we are unbeatable, because together, we are the proud citizens of the United States of America. And on November 3rd, we will make America safer. We will make America stronger. We will make America prouder. And we will make America greater than ever before. I am very, very proud to be the nominee of the Republican Party. I love you all. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you very much.
Yep. That was, def that was definitely tough. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. I could hear you. All right. Oh, okay. Well, so um, we just uh, we just saw um, maybe one of the best Republican national conventions that we may have ever seen. Um, and I've seen quite a few. You know, we we we've we've seen a lot of them. Oh, over the decades and it just uh, uh this one felt better it just felt better uh, there was so there were so many good like like in its totality it was just so good it, it, it was just so good it was uh if you listen to the people from nbc um if you've listened to the people from CNN and ABC News, and uh, they they all gave this very negative, very dark, very like they 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 depicted this um, Republican National Convention as very yeah, you know very dark, very you know uh, there was no real. They, 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 I I heard one NBC pundit say that there was no real message there was no clear message uh i disagree with that one um just a tad the message that i got is america is the greatest country in the history of our planet and we must do everything to protect it and that includes uh, keeping all those socialists out. And Joe Biden, let's be real. I mean, he, so so Joe Biden, either he is, either he, uh, either he's, uh, he has his wits about him, and is dirty and bad for the country or he's a shell of a person that he once was and the people that are playing his marionette puppet uh those are the evil people like either way either way if this, these democrats take over the, the, this is uh, it, it's it could it could very well spell the end for one of the greatest countries mm -hmm. that ever exist my audio is finally fixed now, so I'll give my quick take, which is that, I'll be honest, I'm very tired right now, so 
I was having a little trouble paying attention, but overall it was really long, but really, really hit on law and order. That to mm -hmm. me was my biggest takeaway, was it was, oh, yeah. they really, really hit on law and order. Like it's like a Nixon style speech in a good way. He's run like Nixon with the law and order. And I think, you know, the Hunter Biden shit's like, yeah, that's bad, but I don't think that's what's gonna persuade any voters. I don't think anybody's mind's gonna be changed by that. What gets changed is when they're seeing all these riots in the streets, when they're seeing people getting shot in the streets, and Trump is the law and order candidate, and Biden is the defund the police candidate, that's something that threatens people's safety. And I think his speech did a great job of highlighting all of his accomplishments, and the lead up to this, I mean, I'll dive into this and after you go a bit more, but to me, this is one of the most impressive presentations I've ever seen, this entire four-day convention. I still need to watch the rest, like, every, the bits I missed, because it's like, everything was golden. Even people I didn't care for that much were golden. It's, it, it surprised me. It genuinely surprised me in a good way. Oh yeah, uh, my favorite, my favorite part was uh, who was the there was uh, the the politician on the wheelchair, Madison. Yeah, that dude. Yeah, so he, uh, yeah, uh, he he got up off of his wheelchair and stood for America. I mean, this this is something that. Um, I, I, to some people it may sound cheesy it may sound like a bit tired but for me this is this is the kind of thing that really nailed it um, because here it's it gives this a, it gives this thing it's like well if this guy who's paralyzed from the waist down can stand up for our great country then why the hell can't these athletes? Um, I, I loved, I, I thought Ivanka Trump um, did an amazing job. But I mean, that, I mean, I, she did an amazing job in 2016, so I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really concerned with her. Uh, I, I wasn't really concerned with Donald Trump too. We've heard we've heard him speak way too many times to even count, uh, and he kills it on pretty much all of them. Right? Did great in 2016. He does great in his rallies. He does great in his State of the Union addresses. Like this is this is Donald Trump. He's just another for. This was a great speech. And don't get me wrong, this was an incredible speech. It was great. It hit so many topics. It was it was powerful. Um, but we've seen him so many times, it just feels like another day in the office. This does. Um, and uh, like, like Sean said, Law and Order. Um, we're literally watching America and these Democrat-run cities burn to the ground. Um, and they're letting it like these these democratic leaders they're either they're they're letting it happen with mismanagement or they're just complicit 
and letting this thing happen. Uh, maybe, maybe for political points or whatever. Um, uh, either way, how do you think that's going to resonate with voters? With voters that are already there? Um, not only that, like, pe people want to feel safe. And when they look at, and, and, and when they're not safe, they look at leadership. They tend to turn to leadership. And when they realize that the leadership that's in these cities isn't paying attention to them at all, really, uh, they, they're backing out there, they're telling the police to back off, they're uh, basically let, letting these people run amok if they get arrested. Uh, a lot of these cities have cashless bail, so they release them pretty much immediately. Um, and then when Donald Trump offers assistance, President Donald Trump, sorry, um, they either refuse it or they accept something so little it's laughable. Um, when I see this, the totality of what's going on in these Democrat-run cities, I really have to lean toward their complicit. Like they're they're complicit in how these cities are run, and uh, which, which makes this speech even more powerful because we need law and order more than ever, like in, in these cities. And not only that, I mean, this election, yes, this election is about Donald Trump. It is, um, but it's also about so many, so much more too. We need we need red. We need the red ticket down ballot. Mm -hmm. uh, every every chance every chance you get, it's red, team red down ballot. Uh, because we we're starting to see uh, the damage of what happens when you let Democrats take over these cities. You yeah. Really do. It's bad. I mean, we'll be talking about more on Saturday, but I was up late watching the videos coming out of Kenosha I think it's the city yep. in, uh, you know where Blake was shot mm -hmm. and <laughs> Trump is singing along to the opera music <laughs> um, but uh, it was probably the most heartbreaking footage I've seen from all these riots and doing other than the initial buildings burning down in some of these other cities, but just seeing armed militias and people getting chased and then people shooting people in the streets and nothing being done by these mayors is and then I saw I don't know if you've seen it, I did post in the chat, I will warn people if you do look this up it's probably one of the most gruesome things you're going to see in a while but that kid that's now come out as a 17-year-old that shot the guy uh, with his AR-15. I don't know if this is one of the ones that survived, but he got shot. And when you see his arm after he got shot, it is not a hole. It's not some blood coming out. It is an entire chunk of his arm missing. Mm -hmm. Like a chunk. I'm talking like yeah. a five inch by like three inch thick yeah. chunk. Gone. 
That is what the Democrats have done. And it's... I I mean, I could go on and on about that, but it's the contrast that we've seen. Like, because they, you know, when you mentioned the dark stuff, that's something Scott Adams pointed out again, that he pointed out in 2016. In 2016, the Democrats were painting the Republican convention as dark in 2016. They were painting Trump's uh, uh, inauguration speech as dark. That was a word they kept using consistently. That is the sign of a professional linguist behind their language. And that's what it was. They know that that word's effective because it has a powerful visual to it. And so they brought it back again. But if you notice the RNC speeches, so much powerful visual language with every single speech. Like this, like Joe Biden's The Loch Ness Monster of the Swamp. One of the guys today said that, I think it was um, Dan Scavino described the media as a fog machine. I mean, it's just like powerful language. Yeah. It's, uh, and grant you, you know, they're using, you know, they're using these words and they're trying to word, they're wording the, they're, they're wording this carefully. Them, I mean, uh, the people in the NBC and the Democrats and CNN and all these guys, they're wording this thing carefully to try to make it look as negative, make it look as dark as they possibly can. But people aren't stupid, right? The, pe- are, the, the, the people aren't stupid. They're, they're watching this thing. And they're realizing that, wait, wait, this isn't dark. This is actually pretty motivational. This is actually inspirational. This is very uplifting. It's very welcoming. It's very, you know, open. What's going on? Oh, and then you realize Alex that these... Yeah, hey, Alex. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, we've been... We've had a little bit of interesting stuff with that hurricane over here. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, it's late too. I don't know. Weekdays, yeah. so I understand. I just feel this was such an important moment that we had to do a stream about. I mean, I don't but, know how much of the convention you've seen, Alex, but we were just people, talking about how impressive it is. Yeah, they had that like one lady who was the uh, like drug offender or whatever, and yeah. she came and gave a speech. That was very, you know, that was very nice. That's something you wouldn't really expect a Republican president to give a shit about really elise johnson yeah she spoke at cpac too and a few other things um but what's really been amazing about this convention i think our video live streams are all over now but it has been just a powerhouse a powerhouse of just perfect masterful presentation pr persuasion I don't want to use the word propaganda, but that's what, you know, this kind of stuff could theoretically fall under that category for some people. But you know what I mean? That's sort of like the messaging. It is just, I mean, it is a 10 out of 10. This is something you're going to study one day because it, it's, it, they had a challenge of doing a visual, sorry, visual, digital um, convention. You know, we're used to the traditional speeches that these people give at these conventions and that's it but they took it in a very unique 
approach here and they made something special they had trump in it every day which was smart keeps him keeps him more exposure with him they had very well produced videos like i don't know if you saw the one phil that they did tonight with the showcase of people that were democrats that vote for trump you know as their first republican they ever voted for that video was really well done yeah yeah that was now, really did, well done. did anyone talk about the like trump or anyone talk about that like one kid like that kyle kid with the rifle uh they have not that's, See, that's I, a bit I that's a bit of uh well the thing with that too is while i from what I've seen, I think the kid acts in self-defense. We don't have a lot of facts out yet about that. Yeah, I don't know. From what I like, if freaking Steven Crowder of all like cucked people is defending this guy, why isn't the president? Well, I think that would strike the wrong tone here. Well, I mean, it, it, one, it's it's quick. Like it's a very quick. It would be a very quick turnaround. Like when you're talking about. Um, when you're talking about like what's going on and not a lot of information is really out yet as far I mean we do have the footage and we, we believe we believe that it's self-defense but you know we'd also be it'd also be kind of ignorant too just because look the, look at look at all the people that have been harsh on us on us like on on Trump on the um on the Covington kid, Nick Sandman, all these people, they were hard on, on these guys until all the facts came out. And then it was like, Oh, so I think that, that it's, it's in that regard, it's a bit quick too, like to just to mention something, uh, by the way, by the way, I know we're going to mention this on Saturday. Uh, one of those people. Yeah. I do not feel sorry for dying. Uh, that the pedophile. Yeah. They chased the kid over there. Like, what the fuck's going on with that? Yeah, one was chasing one with that, a handgun. Yeah. The other person threw a Molotov cocktail at him. Like, these people, well, you know, they're not saying They think yeah. it's a Molotov cocktail, but they're not sure. But they're still chasing. Okay, but they they still were confirmed that the dude was chasing him with a gun himself. So, I yeah. mean, at that point, I think that, you know, if someone's chasing with a gun, you know, if this was a cop, he would be legally allowed to go in that, like, defend himself if you're a person you're being chased by a gun in the vast majority of states you'd be you know legally allowed to exercise your second amendment at that point oh yeah and i think look from what i've seen i think he did act in self-defense um especially in the part where he gets tackled to the ground or pushed to the ground and then he has to fire back well they they charged him with first degree first degree right homicide yep yeah that, that that it'll never stick It'll never fucking say first degree, never sticking to hell. No chance in hell. Um, My issue, though, was like Trump went out to defend the uh, Vice City couple, you know, pretty quickly after that event happened. I still, you know, and this seems like a bit different, to be fair. I mean, also the Vice City couple were at the convention, which was cool. The Vice City couple didn't kill anyone. This kid did. And I'm not saying it wasn't self-defense or anything, but... You have to be a bit more delicate and careful and take some time before taking a side on something that involves death. Well, we have a video this time. It's not like some of the other stuff. Like, even with the George Floyd, that was a heavily edited video. Mm-hmm. This, we have the full video, to my understanding. You know, what What more could he really want? 
Well, I think they should look at it carefully first. And this happened just last night. Okay. Like, it's... Or the other I, night. I, I've seen Trump tweet out texts at, like, 3 in the morning. You know, I don't see why he couldn't do that for this. Hey, he may be... Look, he may very well do it. Like, I mean, it's... Yeah, I would give it time. I mean, I, that's yeah, something I, I just... Like I like I said, it's it, that's you gotta be very careful with because involves me, somebody shooting and killing people. You yeah, be for, very for me, that. me, I'm personally one of those guys. On any side, on both sides, let let the information come out before we make any sort of judgment, any sort of thing. I'm not I'm not gonna jump into anything uh, because it's just I, I've been we've been down this rabbit hole one too many times. Um, I, I I mean, we could believe what, I mean, I believe that he acted in self-defense and it's likely that he did act in self-defense and it looks like it, but like, I still wait, we'll wait until all the information's out, all the information's out in the public and we'll, you know, I just like, I'm, I'm sorry. I've been, I've been, we've been lied to one too many times. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That's the stance I have on that too, because it's it's not like with the Vice City couple where they just stood there and just stood there. And yeah, they pointed their guns, but like there's no death, there's no harm or foul done. All they did was stand there and look badass. This guy I mean, apparently he was live streaming it, so I'd like to find the full live stream, but like there were I think he killed two people, and that's where I, I, I see the one person he killed. But where did he kill the second person? Was that in the same, like, um, you know, incident where he goes to the ground? I, I believe so. Yeah, like he was being chased by a whole mob of people. You know, that's that's what I... who the fuck thinks it's a good idea to chase a guy with a gun, and you don't have one. No, oh, they're, they're, they're doing it. They're doing it to instigate. That's what well, they're they doing. Got what they they wanted. Oh, yeah, totally. They all got what they deserved. I'm just saying, like they, you know, that's what they're doing. Like they're this, this is this is trained activism. Like they're trying. They're not trying to get. They're not trying to so much attack you. They're trying to like get you to attack them so they can play the victim and play this whole, you know, twist the narrative. Uh, because that's all they have. Like that, all they have is to be able to trick, trick you into a false narrative. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not winning on facts. They're not winning on logic. This is what they have to do, and, um, you know. The only thing I, I will say, and I see Jack Posobiec, um, tweeting about this. Two things. One, first of all, did you see the fireworks spelled Trump? Yep. 2020. Yeah, <laughs> that was badass. Great, um, great work. Pasovic is saying a few people text me asking why Trump wants an end quote rally mode tonight, and that was my first thought because I love rally mode Trump. Mm -hmm. Like at the 2016 convention, that's still one of my favorite speeches he's ever done because it is pure populism, American nationalism, right on the stage in all its fiery glory, but. As Pasovic further says, it's because he was in presidential mode tonight, speaking from the people's house to all American citizens and all of America's enemies. 
and that's a good point is that because of the setting he chose he has to be a little a little bit more presidential which isn't my favorite style but I'll uh, take it. I mean he had his moment this speech did have its moments yeah um I I was laughing my ass off when he's he, he was talking about Biden he said something to the tune of yeah he makes promises he gives them hugs and kisses <laughs> and then like yeah and that was funny and he's like he he tells them that he feels their pain and just every I mean it, the whole place was the whole place was unglued it was funny it was just really funny nice little it was subtle but it was very like everybody knew that it was like some it was a stab at his creepy, you know, at creepy Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was talking about how he said Joe Biden promised all these people that he'd keep their jobs or something like that. He gave them all hugs and kisses. And some <laughs> like, even kisses. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing I noticed too, and Pasovic saying the same thing I just saw, I'm just scrolling through Twitter, is that is it me or was this convention a turning point? Like, it feels like an energy shift happened. It feels like once the convention kicked off, Republicans got more fired up. And I've been seeing it on my little uh, turf in your county there. Um, Because, I I mean, there's been people, like, involved with the campaign stuff, but I feel like people were way more fired up. And that's the point of the convention, really, is to get people out there and – even like one of the ladies said tonight, like, you know, volunteer by going to this website. And I think, I think it's a turning point right now where Republicans are now, they're going like, all right, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to put our man back in. Yeah. Like I, I feel like before this, it's just been bad news cycle after bad news cycle, just nothing but bad news well, because Trump's not been able to go and do rallies. Yeah. You know, that that was his made that was his like major thing. Yeah. And this is the closest thing to rally he has in months. So I, I feel like that was definitely a good thing and I, I feel like people see that and they want more of it. I I felt like I felt like this was a blood in the water moment, right? This this convention was a blood in the water moment because you had a you had a Democratic National Convention that provided zero bump you know you 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 know how did anyone even care about it no i I mean no and not really and like with with most conventions you expect to see like a bump in the polls or some sort of you know increased motivation and you know you, you you expect the other side to be you know motivated and you know fired up there was none of that there was none mm. of that. Like I barely even knew that the, the that the convention even existed. Same. And then and then and then the poll the and then the polls started happening, and it's like it's official. Like this is this is one of three elections uh, election cycles in history, in where the convention did not give the Democratic candidate a bump. Right. This is this is it right and that's blood in the water like dude you gave us your best 
this is your best moment. This is the best moment that the Democrats could possibly give us. And it did nothing for them in the polls. Blood well, in the fucking water. Here's what I think is happening with the Democrats. Like, I think that you saw some of those earlier polls, like they were getting really high on there because people didn't like Trump's response. <laughs> but now you start to go and see even more rioting coming out. And when people see that and they see the events, mm -hmm. like what happened to uh, Kyle over there with people getting sent to jail, the Vice City couple, they're getting charged for trying to defend themselves. And that's that's a good point. That's a really good point, Alex. And another thing, uh, uh, to, to piggyback off of that one, I don't recall there being any mention of any of these riots in that Democratic National Convention. They didn't mention it. That is, that is something that's probably going to bite them in the ass. Mm -hmm. Because, the, the, again, safety, law and order, right? This is... These pe these are these are people in democratic cities. They're legitimately concerned, right? They're th these people that own businesses. They're going to be concerned. These are people that are in their homes that are going to be concerned. And the inner the more in the inner city that you go, the more trouble they're the the more unsafe these people are starting to become. And you know, and again, blood in the water, right? You just gave you you gave these people you gave us your worst. Well, the simple and it thing that nothing. happens with that is that, like with the cities, when you, when you have, when the mayors let rioters and looters, thugs, let's call them thugs, destroy yeah. your business. Why the fuck would you keep your business there? And then why the fuck, mm -hmm. if you're a um, entrepreneur, start a business there? You know, it's the most it's the stupidest thing ever and it always backfires and that really is why i keep saying if you're going to hit biden on something hit him on china hit him on uh uh violence uh i guess say anarchy well, let's, let's call it that you hit him on china you hit him on anarchy and you hit him on his age those are the <laughs> three things that hurt him the most and the other thing too is that and again we'll dive more on this on saturday but the settings the RNC used, and the 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 um uh the backdrops are like a million times better than the Democrats. And some things, yeah, they're gonna have, be lucky to have like the freaking White House. But even all like the little videos and the 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 nationalization ceremony Trump did, and all these other things, and like where they did their main speeches in that um I forget what that building's called in D.C where most of the speeches were done. Monument? Was it the Washington Monument? No, it's an indoor um, <coughs> amphitheater. I forget what it's called or something <laughs> like that. Um, but it's... it's All their settings were grand and epic, and it has just a grandioseness about it. It just felt big. And the Democrat convention felt small. Like, you had Elizabeth Warren in a fucking kindergarten classroom, whereas you had all these uh, other speeches in this beautiful Washington building uh, in D.C. Like, it's just the contrast is is what's killer. It's just killer, killer contrast. I had a side note here. Just, just, just a little bit of a side note. Um, and, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit on Saturday too, I'm sure. Um, so the the NBA they did their little pro they're oh, doing yeah. their little protests or whatever. 
boy, they did. They picked a wrong fucking time to do that protest, didn't they? I mean, they really. I mean, I mean, if you were gonna, if you were gonna do a protest, don't do it in the middle of a fucking convention <laughs> where, like, a large chunk of your fan base is Republican, right? Is conservative, right? Why the hell? Why the hell would you just stop playing in the middle of a frickin' that convention? If you wanted, if you wanted to go, if you wanted to buck the Republican agenda, you'd be playing some of the greatest games ever on on during the during the convention, so that nobody watches it. Some so people would turn turn on your say. I mean, not that not that that would even happen because this. Republican National Convention was fantastic, but like I would say, you just you just gave people another reason to vote Republican. Like, just it's you you really you really think by not playing over from <laughs> over something like this was going to really help your cause, and they backed it out too. The players ended up back like like they they ended up backing out of this protest. They said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna protest for the season," and then you know they had a talk with the owners, and basically, it's just a postponement. Like the, the yeah, I mean it's just it's awful. Like they 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 dropped the ball on this so fucking hard. Well, just think of how privileged you must be to go and like even be able to go and threaten to like not work for a full season and then still have a job that makes millions. Like there's Americans out here who can't work at all right now who would be killing to go to work. You know, like a lot of barbers, a lot of restaurant owners, and even like regular people who go to work, you know, if you go and do that to your job, like, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna probably remain employed. Like if you just go and take off a whole year of work because you don't like Trump, you know, most pretty much every employer would like fire you unless you had some sort of like sabbatical or something like you're a teacher and you could throw away that or you had some vacation days. But like that's, that's just preposterous for these people who are claiming that, you know, like they're, oh, they're so underprivileged because of the color of their skin and they can go and do this stuff that, only the most privileged of the privileged are able to go and do, you know, protests like that. It just makes me sick. Well, well, I mean, this was an epic fail for them. Like this was just an epic fail all around for them. I mean, look, 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 look at LeBron James. Like he, like he didn't, um, like he, he just like you, you listen to him talk about this situation. It really just looks like he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Like he just doesn't know. Like I, I, I and he, and even like uh, there was a, there was an interview that I guess um, uh, who, Jared Kushner did, where he said, "Hey, I'll 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 reach out to LeBron. Let's talk. Hey, if you want, if if you if if you really have an issue or whatever, let's talk. Let's let's see what kind of um, you know it kind of whatever, which which was very good on Jared Kushner's part, by the way, because if you, like look, little little lesson in life, if you're if there's somebody if there's somebody you agree you disagree with you know meet them head on like meet them head on because they're going to do one of two things either they're going to debate you and you're going to win and it makes you look good or they don't 
or they refuse to debate you and they leave and you still end up looking good. So like, like I think it, that that was a good move on Jared Kushner's part, but, um, uh, but anyway, like, like the, 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 the NBA completely dropped the ball with this whole protest thing. It just completely. And then they gave up on it. Like nice pun. It, it took a day. It took a day for them to give up on it. Well, you know what I would like to know is if these worker, if they, if these people were protesting, you know, the treatment of uh, Uyghur Muslims in China, you know, would the NBA be so quick to allow them to take off the whole season or take off, you know, whatever however many games they want? Would they be allowed to go kneel on the, you know, on the court or whatever they want to do? No, because they're owned by China. That's all they care about, and China is fomenting dissent against trump right now that's their number one goal is to get biden elected mm-hmm. beijing biden because mm-hmm. they know he's going to be weak and he's going to do whatever they want them to do because you know he's in bed with them i i looked at i also looked at i looked at the espn page and all they had was this social justice stuff like they just had the nba social justice stuff and they had all their pundits which are you know they're a bunch of paid paid hacks i mean they just it, it was just terrible and of course you know because espn's owned by disney disney does multi-billion dollar business in china they own they basically own the tv rights to the nba season this year um so and and of course nike nike is pretty much owns most of the the nba athletes with the shoes and that like you know you got a lot of You've got a lot of Chinese companies that are basically pumping money into the NBA, so it's not like they're gonna, they're, like they're not gonna, they're not gonna. None of them are gonna mention the Uyghur Muslims. Could be like, look, look at what happened to uh, Daryl Morey, right? The the what the Houston Rockets general manager or whatever. Like he said, he, he mentioned uh, Hong Kong, and they freaking blasted him. Oh yeah. yeah. Like- it's ridiculous. And, you know, Trump needs to go after, I think, Disney, honestly, because look how many products, like, you know, that Disney owns. They own Marvel. They own, like, a ton of the movie industry. They have a bunch of cable channels and, like, everything but Fox News, I think, yeah. in terms of the Fox Network. Like, what's going on over here? It, it seems like it's becoming a monopoly almost. They have their own digital streaming platform. I mean, look at look at all the major all the major news outlets. You got AB, you got ABC News. They're owned by Disney. You've got uh, NBC. Of course, they're owned by and NBC Universal. Which like, which their music, their music, uh, Universal Music, uh, has has given uh, ownership to Tencent, which is a Chinese holding company. Um that that also owns uh a chunk of time Warn the or warner music warner music group um you have cbs news which is cbs viacom uh they're doing multi-billion dollar business in china and they're building and they're building a uh they're building some sort of theme park uh universal is too by the way uh over there in china uh, and then you have, like, so the only one really is Fox News that's, like, not not doing the Chinese bidding that I know of. So, you know, I mean, 
this is what we're dealing with, man. I mean, China does not want Trump to win. They do not want Trump to win. They will, uh, it's like but you said today, say, Biden's main China. Yeah, he is. But I will say this. I think if Trump wins, China folds immediately. The second, the second Trump wins re-election, <clears throat> China folds fucking immediately. I don't that's, think so because they play super long term. Yeah, but they're they'll die if they if they four like four years for them, especially as hard as the economy has been hit over there. We're they're bitching like like we're bitching about how hard our economy is hit. It's not even a fucking dent compared to China's economy. China's uh-huh. economy got the shit kicked out of them mm-hmm. oh, no. during they're this whole pandemic. They're growing there right now because a lot of Europe's still shut down. They're doing a lot of trade over there. Yeah, but I mean, they're but but most of most of the other powerhouses are fucking like they're they're doing okay. But all these businesses have been pulling out. Like you're talking about, you know, Southeast Asia, um, North America, South America starting to pull, Africa starting to pull business. And, and even and even there are European countries that are pulling out of there too, like this. This is, I mean, there will be a ripple. Like I, I don't see China waiting four years. Here's here's what I, I don't think. see it. I think they folded me. I think that that phase one China deal. They'll try like hell to fucking re reestablish that shit, and then they'll force they'll 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 give in like a motherfucker to the phase two. I, I I could see it. I could just see it happening right away. They're not going to want. And look, look, like their their food supply, like we we hold a large chunk of their fucking food supply. Like it's it's not smart. It's not smart to play this fucking game for four years with the United States. Well, I think they're it definitely going to have to make some comprom major compromises because of the leverage we have over them from the virus. But well, here's what is going to happen with china so if trump gets reelected, which i you know i'm now looking at i think he really will let's say you know trump gets reelected, china is going to go and appease him for four years and then as soon as the next person comes which you know just looking historically it's probably be a democrat at that yeah. point they're going to go back to their old games and it's going to get back to square one because the democrat will go and be like oh well we're going to reestablish relationships with china because trump's a xenophobe and you're going to have this all over again because the Democrats are probably, you know, depending on who the Republican is, could be them too. If you have some establishment, you know, person that comes in, whatever is going to happen, it's only going to last for probably four years. Yeah. Unless there's concerted effort from the vast majority of like first world countries around the world. And I think the only real way they could do something like that is if you get another china replacement which i think india is doing pretty well but they're not quite there yet oh they're they're get they're building like look they've already they're already setting up they're, they've been setting up for a little bit for you know for foreign foreign investment they've already they're 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 setting up they're setting up land they're like giving they're giving land and like like tax credits and all that stuff just like hey they're welcoming it and that's dangerous for china because well, yeah. they can match like India can match China toe for toe mm. with, with engineering, with medical technology, with like they can hit them hard on the intelligence shit. Tech, it would, they, 
No, I, I don't think they would because a lot of China, where they get their power from is from stealing it from the U.S. because they have a state-sponsored uh, cyber spy network that's infiltrated a lot of universities, a lot of companies in the United States. I don't think India would be able to do it quite to that level too because a lot of India isn't industrialized to the point that a lot of China is. So I think they... Well, I mean, they I think, have... They have it. It's just not as big of a, um, it's not as big of a hub as it is in China, but they still do. Like, I mean, they can match, I mean, from, from an engineering standpoint, they can match China, uh, medical. I think they could give them a run for their money. Uh, very, very much. Uh, cause they produce a lot like, like pharmaceutically they could, pr they produce a fuck ton. And, uh, yes, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I, and tech too. Like, look, look, tech. They they have really, they have phenomenal tech over over there. Like phenomenal tech over there. Um, I I just like, but I'm saying I'm not saying that they can, like, re replace China completely. But they could damn sure give them a run for their money, and that might be enough for to, to to when you look at the. When you look at the comp competitive, uh, the competitive uh, nature of the trade competitions, I mean, um, um, that could be enough, and that could definitely spook China enough to like give in like immediately. Like that, th and, th and this is what like Trump gets reelected, and I'm telling like November. If Trump gets elected November third, uh, November fourth, they're like, okay, let's you know. We're fucked. Let's make a deal. All right. Yeah. Because no. there's there's no chance. There's no prayer in hell that they're going to be waiting four years for like not uh, without making a deal. Like like right now they're just they're kind of just kicking their feet back and like waiting and waiting until this election's over. But like, I mean, what what happened? Like you can't just kick your feet back after the election because you're I mean you're going to run out of shit. You're gonna you're gonna run out of supplies. You're gonna run out of money. You're gonna run out of food. You're gonna run out of every like you you got to realize that's that this would be where your populate your big ass population goes against you. Yeah, I don't know what their food um, their food market looks we like. We buy it. We sell a shit ton of food over there to China. Yeah, but I they, mean, we, they buy the troves. But China also has a lot of, you know, investments in parts of Africa right now. And you do, but they don't, they don't farm like we do. They I don't... think if push came to shove, they could go in probably. There's no that. way they could move. See, and here's the problem with that. There's no way that they could move quick enough to where they could replace our agricultural trade. It's not like they'll at the, at that level, you're talking and, and the vast number of stuff that we provide over there too. Like you're not, you're just, you're not going to, you're not going to get it. And, and, and by then, by the time you get it, like at what cost is it going to bring you? Like, Oh well, yeah. But you know, we'd also, they'd also say the same thing about us in terms of our manufacturing capacity. So I, I don't think either one of those is going to go away completely. I think there's going to be, you know, negotiations, talks. And, and I do agree that as soon as this election's over, they're going to 
most like like if Trump wins, they're gonna go and probably fold in their hands and they're gonna go and give Trump what he wants to whatever to, like to a significant degree. And here's another thing. And and here's another thing to, that 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 China is probably gonna consider too. Uh, there's a lot. There's there's political unrest over there. There's definitely political unrest over there, and you, you, now, great thou, people are thinking that like, you know, people people have this false sense of 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 idea that Xi Jinping is the leader for life. Like, but if you fuck the people over enough, eventually, that shit tends to pay. Like, look. And because because apparently there's some sort of uh, there's some sort of rift with the the military, uh, the military Xi Jinping and the military over there, and yeah that that's usually that's usually a bad sign. Like you if you look at world history, usually the you know when you know socialist countries butt heads with the the military their military usually that's like a there that that's like an 11th hour type thing oh yeah like if you have any sort of dictatorship you want you want to be good with the military because they're the ones that are keeping you alive yeah because you know if, if without the military they want to have the ability to go and enforce whatever laws they have yeah. you know for the most part and I, and I agree with that now i i, I don't know what all is going to happen you know down the line with that but i do think that you know whatever happens this election if trump wins they're gonna go and concede some stuff but as soon as he's gone they're gonna do whatever they can to step that way back to probably where it is you know right where it was a few years ago yeah no i mean yeah i i, I agree with that i'm just saying four years is a long way away we could yeah you're you give giving and you you gotta like what you just said means you're giving donald trump four years to play with the chessboard he's done a pretty Without good job worrying about re-election he's done a pretty good job on that fucking chessboard in the last four years i'm feeling pretty good about donald trump it, should he win this election i'm feeling really good about donald trump playing that chessboard one more time also speaking of hashtag trump 2020 landslide is trending on twitter right now oh, yeah. and I mean, look, I've been confident for years that he's going to win 2020 and by a bigger margin. And I, I think after tonight and what I've seen on the ground, too, I mean, look, Trump supporters have always been energetic, but it's at the level that now that's closer to the 2016 energy levels. I don't think we'll reach those levels ever again. That was a insanely high energy level that I've never seen before. I don't think most people have ever seen for a presidential candidate ever. So but I think now the base has expanded. And I think he's going to carry states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio, Florida, maybe even Nevada maybe even New Mexico, maybe some other ones. But the key thing to keep in mind, too, is that Biden still has is stuck with a big fatal mistake. 
and that's Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, as your VP, keeps oh, yeah. the black Democrat vote home. And the Republicans know that very well. You saw at the RNC how many black conservatives they had up there. They might have outnumbered the white conservatives that spoke. And that tells you they are laser-focused on targeting the black vote. They know that if they can persuade some, if they can get more out for Republicans and keep the other side, uh, the Democrat black vote home, then that makes a big difference. That's how you keep Michigan. That's how you keep Pennsylvania. And that's how you swing some states. Even though the Hispanic vote's bigger in some places, um, the black vote is what's pivotal right now. It's what's what's going to, I think, make or break this election. I don't know. I mean, I think Trump's doing a lot better with the black black community than, you know, probably the Hispanic community right now. He's doing, well, he's, he's, he's doing better in every category. Yeah. Every demographic, he's doing better. That he did in 2016. Every demographic. I'm just concerned, you know, like what you mentioned with the Hispanic vote, because they are a larger percentage of the population in the black community. And they are kind of a swing population in a lot Uh of ways, whereas the black community is pretty much. Depends on the state. He's that's what's tricky is like Pennsylvania. He's actually doing good. I I don't know. I don't know if you can attest to this, Sean, but yeah, I've I've met a few. I've met a few Latinos who voted for Hillary in 2016 and now they're voting for Trump. Huh. Like they're, they're, they're picking it up. Like they're picking it up They They know that like, Hey, maybe, maybe this, maybe this Democrat ticket is more bullshit than actual legitimacy. But I'll say this, look, and those were, those were great points that you brought up, Sean. And I will say this. Um, I think like, as long as we keep focus, the, 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 the momentum is going to keep riding because mm-hmm. what literally this, the, their only shot was the democratic national convention. That was their shot that that was their one shot to really make an impact, to really make their, their mark known, Right. Because they're not going to be able, they're not going to be able to out campaign Trump. That's gone. Forget it. Right? You you you've already lost the campaign battle right away. Yep. Ground game's um, done for them. The ground game's done. You lost that one. It's over. Right? Uh, the the uh, the advertising the advertising and the ads. Even though you have the the media, again. I don't see you beat. I don't see them beating Trump on that one too. They're, they are well. I mean, they're a well oiled that that advertising campaign that the, the that the Trump campaign holds. It is a well oiled machine. Like they they do great ads. They do them at the great times. They do great ads on social media. They have a, they have they have their tentacles on pretty much everything, and they do it very very well. And it's going to be hard. I, I don't think they're going to be able to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the DNC will still try. I mean, they'll, they'll try to rig this election, of course. But I really, uh, but that was the, the DNC. That was their one shot. It was like a sucker punch. Like basically you tried to sucker punch 
the 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 big guy and now the big guys just shook it off and now it's his turn right mm-hmm. well they're, that's how i see it they were banking on the coronavirus being the most important thing people care about and i don't and one like it i is, don't though it is or it is but but when you look at it it's like they don't and this is why i said that they they fumbled the ball at the dnc because the dnc that was their one chance to go reset okay yeah but not only reset but like show somebody hey we got a plan right we got it look look i mean they they bash trump and you know you expect that out of a out of a convention like you expect that out of both sides but the plan that follows that Mm -hmm. is usually what makes or breaks you you know and he and and a lot of times in politics even a bad plan is better than no plan at all and what I saw at the DNC, I saw no plan. I saw nothing. All I saw was Trump bashing. I saw a bunch of vague terminology. I saw no sense of of there's um, no energy purpose. There's no direction. There's no real motivation. There's no real leadership. You don't see any real leadership over there. And like and they failed to capitalize on that and it's and it's going to burn them cuz now cuz now you're going to hit you're going to have the campaign trails now you're going to you the, the the Trump rallies are going to start up again you're going to have you know uh, and and we still you still have to debate the guy right you have, you still have the debates they're gonna find a way around that. Don't worry. Uh, no, but, but so. if they do, I think if they do, it's gonna it's gonna burn them. I Absolutely. think either way, if they if they avoid it, they're gonna get burned. And if Biden debates him, it's gonna get burned. It's not not good. The best thing you could hope for, really, is to maybe, I don't know, is to have maybe maybe have Kamala debate Pence maybe that's like your best that's like your best bet and even that's a bad bet here's the thing and i keep saying the debates are going to happen because i think they know at the end of the day if they don't show that's going to be every freaking trump ad for the next like month is going to be biden's hiding we've been saying oh he hides in his basement now he won't show up to a debate he's chicken he's pathetic how can he be a leader if he won't even show up to a debate like they i think they're smart enough to know that that would just be disastrous so they're gonna my guess is my guess is that that the trump campaign already has ads yeah and they're just what yeah they already have what ads saved saved in the archives and they're just waiting for the additional footage Mm mm-hmm all they're they're just looking for a little piece of that footage to blow it up right just like just like when uh the second that kamala harris was picked as the vp they already like within minutes they had an ad like Mm -hmm. i think i think it'll be the same thing and i and i just don't as long as we keep laser focused yeah and that's why i've noticed the shift that's happened um kind of right before the convention the shift that's been happening is focus and that's kind of what he did in 16 a bit too is like you have this i don't know what it is with campaigns but i know this happened 16 too he had like a month or two where things kind of got a little unfocused and then he just railed in on nationalism populism protecting the american worker and 
that is what got him to across the finish line. And that's what you're seeing kind of now. He's hitting the nationalism, he's hitting the populism, and now he's hitting the law and order really hard. Mm-hmm. And so that focus is what you need. But, but, to, a, but yeah, and that goes back and that goes back to what I was saying. Like, look, you, you we took their shot. We took the DNC shot. That was their, you know, the, their convention. That was their one shot that they had. We took their shot. We took their licks. We realized that they weren't really much of licks at all. And now we're fighting angry. Now it's our turn. Mm-hmm. Be prepared to feel the force now. So, and this is going to be, and it's going to be nonstop. Because now you, now you got the campaign trail. Now you got the rallies. Now you got, now you got the debates get ready for the burn because it's coming like yeah. yeah and the thing i want to go back to the demographics we were talking about with hispanics and uh blacks and um in pennsylvania we have 81 percent white population 12 percent black and only 7.8 percent hispanic and that's why i'm saying the black vote is so important is because even though in states like texas or New Mexico, there's a higher Hispanic population than black population. The difference is it's in the swing states. There's a higher black population. Same goes for Michigan. So that's why they're focusing on this so much, because those two states are going to be decided on the black vote, just like they were before. And Yeah, PAs, you know, like Texas, I don't think this election, but in the future, you have to start watching out for that one. I think you need to start watching out for not necessarily Hispanic immigration to Texas, but white flight, white liberal flight. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. California, you know, transplants, you know, Colorado transplants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I do think, I also think that, um, like, Trump let, 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 let's hand, let's give it to Trump here for this one. Uh I think he's transformed the Republican party pretty much forever. Yeah. I I I feel like he's transformed it forever. Like there the he has changed it to where it is like it it's it's not your it's not the party of John McCain anymore. It's not the party of George Bush anymore or george w bush or mitt romney or most of most of these like establishment republican politicians those days are gone right this is a new republican party mm-hmm. and um yeah i i think i think we're gonna start seeing shifts as long as as long as the democratic party continues to go down the socialist rabbit hole I think we're going to start seeing a transformation in the Republican party. That's going to become more popular. It's going to become like it, it's going to transform too. Um, because there's a lot of people that the, that the democratic party has given up on <laughs> and, well, and it's stupid too. Like, but mm-hmm. yeah, I feel that's what I feel like. The more left you go, the more, the more alienated you, you lose the center. You're gonna lose. Yeah, you're you're definitely losing the center. And why that's not? why I think it's, you know, it is a kind of a trope now to say that Trump has changed the party. But I think it's very important to remember that 
especially since where we were four years ago when Trump was taking the stage at the convention. Now he's at the White House, at the White House, mm-hmm. taking center stage. Because the, the, the one thing that I think is going to be the greatest underscored achievement of Trump is not just, you know, all the things he's accomplished, but it's going to be what true leaders do, which is inspire. And he has inspired people to come into politics that wouldn't before. He has inspired people to um, just do things they wouldn't do before. I mean, look, he's inspired the Milos of the world, the Gavins of the world, the, um, the Laura Loomers of the world to reach crazy new heights. I mean, Loomer in particular is not running for Congress. So that wouldn't have happened without Trump. Look at Matt Gates. He's another perfect example of the story of Trump inspiring people. Because Gates is now totally uh, free from political money. So you have this sort of, you know, they call it a movement all the time. And the MAGA movement is what really is what's going to be the lasting legacy of Trump. That he's changed the party. It's not Democrats versus Republicans anymore. It's insiders versus outsiders. And that's going to be the continuing fight that is going to be happening for a long time. And it's going to be our generation's fight. And when you talk about the China shit, that's what's going to be a little interesting is because while China's playing the long game and they're hoping Trump's a fluke, in some ways that has some truth to it because we're never going to see a president quite like him probably in our lifetimes for a long, long time. But he is still inspiring people like him to fight China, like Matt Gates, And I think that's where, again, if a Democrat becomes president next time, which is after, you know, in 2024, that is likely. But if we keep up the fight, if we keep, we, you can't go into an election thinking you're going to lose because that's how you lose. Even though I do agree it is likely, but what is also likely is the continuing growing MAGA movement. This isn't yeah. ju- and and this isn't just happening here in the United States. It's a global populist uprising, and Absolutely. it makes it's just one of the greatest things I've I've never been more excited about something in this sort of stuff. I mean, you saw this shit in okay. 2016, Alex. Like we were excited like never before. Like. Nobody gets excited over George Bush or Mitt fucking Romney, but Donald J. Trump is something that gets people excited for. And the yeah. populist movement. Like, when you see, like, yeah. the other thing I thought today, remember when in 2016 Hillary Clinton was giving a speech and she was reading Milo Yiannopoulos' headlines and then somebody shouted Pepe during the middle of her speech? It's shit like that that's silly and fun, but it's it's it, it makes you like warm and giddy on the inside in a unique way that's like gets you excited. That shows how things have changed yeah. and how exciting this movement is and how just it it's I, I can't put it quite into words. It's just this you get but a different this, like excitement from it, you know. This is a different. I mean, the, the, again, go back. This is a different Republican Party. 
like you're talking bef bef before tr before Trump, it was very, it was very clicky. It was very ex exclusive. It was very it's the party of big business. Yeah. And now you can see it's almost like yeah. I know a lot of people go and say that like the you know the Democrats or Republicans had a big like flip in like the 1960s or something or the 1930s, but you know look at it now. Yeah. This almost feels like another one of those things because now the Democrats, they're the one of these like big yeah. corporations and corporate interests and against people, at least for the mainstream Democrats. Now you will have your, you know, Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, folks out there, but that's not the party for the most part. Like that's, those are like sort of flukes that they have in there. You know, that that's the ones who aren't in the, um, in the mainstream Democrat sphere. And I kind of wonder, Trump wins. What's going to happen to the Democrats? Because mm. they're, I think either way, there's going to be a civil war. But if it ha if, if and when Trump gets elected, you will see it sooner. And I think it will be more deadly. Not, not physically, well, hopefully not physically deadly. Mm. But I mean, like in terms of, you know, just complete radicalization, you see, but like, you know, it'd be something completely different than even the Democrat Party today, which would be very interesting to watch from someone who doesn't really give a shit about Democrats. I think it is going to be interesting because I think what's going to happen, one, AOC is going to run for president, but two, I think a new star is going to come up in the populist democratic um, movement. And it's going to be somebody that isn't as old as Bernie and isn't as crazy as AOC. They're going to find somebody that is more, unless AOC works on some things, that's their possibility, but you there needs to, to be some adjustments. What was that? Because, I mean, for, for, from, from a presidential standpoint, she would need to work on a lot. Yeah. Oh, I know. But people can change yeah, a lot. Yeah, in politics, yeah, so course. it's there's yeah. room for growth. But you I do agree. Fuck, like you know, America elected Obama somehow. You know, when I was a kid, I was a well. <laughs> so so okay. So with Obama, look, he won. He was very well spoken. He was a great communicator. He's great debater. Uh, two. He ran up against two of the worst Republican candidates mm -hmm. ever. John McCain was a terrible, terrible candidate, and Mitt Romney was probably worse. Like I, I like they really were terrible presidential candidates. You know, I was saying something and, about McCain. I was like, who the fuck thought it was a good idea to pick a warmonger as the guy to run after Bush? Like, are you fucking yeah. kidding me? Who thought that was a good idea? Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, just growing up as a kid, you know, this was what, like, when Obama got elected in 2008, I still remembered, like, 9-11 was still in everyone's mind. I see some yeah. dude with the same middle name as the first name of, you know, you know, or, like, the last name of one of the most, you know, prolific, like, terrorists out there. And it's like... Well, I mean, and, 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 and let's be real, George, George W. Bush did a terrible job like he just he was the he was probably more of the reason 
that Obama became president more Absolutely. than anything. Because right, right at because in, in two thousand and eight, that was when the uh, that was when the second financial crisis hit, right? Because it was like because you had you had like Enron and the whole accounting thing in the in the in two thousand, and then you had the recession in two thousand and eight. You also and had that like, hurricane that they they pretty much bungled. Right. So like yeah, well that was the yeah that was that the housing the housing bubble yeah that was two thousand eight anyway, so so basically, uh, George W. Bush fucked up everything. By the time two thousand eight rolled around, George W. Bush fucked up on everything. He started two wars that he had no business going keeping up he he started wars and then he just fucking stayed there that was like first off that was terrible then he gave then he gave tax cuts in the middle of the war which of course financially fucked us and then he basically gave away money and during the bailouts and that fucked us over even worse and then sandbagged the sandbagged the oil industry which jacked up the oil prices and that fucked us too i mean he's just really he was just not a good like he was terrible by so by the time 2008 rolled around most of the, the majority of the public was like we don't care just get rid of this asshole yeah. and then that's how then change go, candidates really gain yeah. their uh, momentum is because of the legacy of the former like Obama's legacy is Trump and Bush's yeah. legacy is Obama. I know yeah. it's oversimplifying it, but that's like yeah. the cause and effect. And it's understandable. Totally understandable. I mean, to be honest, as much as I was kind of like, yeah, let's vote Republican 2008, in many ways I was like, fuck. Don't want him to win now because I know McCain will give us another war. Yeah. But it's... <laughs> You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how things go. Because the other thing, too, is the Republican Party is also, we've talked about the Groypers a lot. It's it's splitting in different ways now. Like, libertarians are extinct. They are extinct, okay? I only know, like, a handful of them. And I don't even think they're Republicans anymore. It's like, libertarians are extinct. Yeah. But well, you're getting a split now of... Your Trump populace, your moderate Trump populace, and now I, I'm seeing a resurgence of the far right. And I don't mean the, ooh, spooky far right. I mean, like, in the 90s, you had your Christian conservatives that were the far right that, you know, wanted to, you know, basically get rid of violent video games and didn't like Marilyn Manson. I think that that void is being filled now by, like, hardcore nationalist social conservatives i think that i think the 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 richard spencer joining team biden that (laughs) was so funny that could be bad no it's funny i mean it's funny as soon as i saw it i was cracking up i was like why won't joe biden disavow he must disavow yeah somebody should ask him at every event do you disavow richard spencer endorsing you I'm yeah. pretty sure someone probably paid him to fucking say that. Honestly. Well, yeah. What do you but, think I our mean, tax dollars go and to? And if they did, and if they did, it was a good move. Holy <laughs> shit! Like, look, you're tied. Good job, but no, FBI. But, but I mean, like, they basically said that. Uh, he basically said that the 
the the Democrats are more competent, which I'm like, I was like, what? I, I couldn't even. I'm like, of all the reasons he gives, are you talking about these Democrats right here? Are you talking about the guy that can't even remember where the where the fuck he is? You you're talking that guy's more competent. Um, I'm I, I'm I'm having trouble following your logic. Dude. But I mean, and then you made the you know like on those campaign websites where you can like put your picture on some graphics that say like I'm with her, and he did the one with I'm with Joe, and he like literally posted it. I'm like, this but you is know hilarious. what? Um, I was I was looking at I was looking at a Richard Spencer Lowlights video, and one of the th- one of the things that that he consistently brings up is identity po- identity politics. Oh yeah, he's obsessed with identity. He's about and that's an identitarian i mean that that like he he, that alone relates more to the democratic side than anything like because they're obsessed with identity politics too well like he also you know he hates black people he sees trump supporting black people that's going to be a problem for richard spencer on top of that they don't like abortion and you know Richard Spencer, he loves it because guess what kills Killed you know black a people. huge amount of black people every year? Abortion. That's they, the only thing I think has been funny about wignets is when they're like they're trying to be so conservative and be pro life, and I'm like, um, aren't you guys having a little bit of a uh, a more quandary here for you people? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's a valid, you know. That, that's definitely a big flaw in their scheme, you know. They claim, like, a lot, like, see, the only way they can justify that is, is by claiming, you know, black people aren't people, which, you know, that's really fucked up when they say stuff like that. And, you know, and they'll try to go and gloss over the facts that, you know, they believe in this and they'll try to justify it. But the only way that you could go and say it's not okay for, you know, white people to get abortions, but it's okay for black people is if you don't see them as the same. Mm. Yeah, well, I think the Richard Spencer types are, you know, they've lost their following for the most part, and those people have moved more towards, and I'm not saying Nick Fuentes is a white nationalist, but, like, those sort of people do follow him and other more extreme people. But what I'm, my earlier point, though, is what I'm trying to figure out is, is this farther right movement going to have a moment where it takes over the party because i don't i tend to think not but i've seen among young people and they're young so they're gonna change they're gonna go through shit and start paying taxes and realize oh shit maybe my pipe dreams aren't you know realistic but i'm seeing a shift where a lot of a significant number of young people that were normally moderate libertarians or just Trump supporters, just usual people have gone wacky, have gone off the deep end, and have gone full on, like, beyond Groyper, and it's like, I don't know, there's there's a shift happening. And I think I it's because the Overton window has physically shifted from being like, okay, you have your left, right, center, to now it's shifted so far left that the center is now totally shifted uh, to the right, and what's radical is now pulled over as well. 
Yeah, I don't know what's what's going on with that. I mean, personally, I think what the real stuff, I, I don't see them as growing significantly. But the big thing, I think you're going to see the establishment try to fight back. And I think you see that now with, you know, some of these sort of, you know, cucky Republicans and the CRs of the world. They're going to try to form a coup, I think. Probably not. You know, I think they're kind of stuck with Trump, but you know, like at least for this election cycle. But next one, they're probably going to, you know, try to do a hard turn. They want to take it back. And that's yeah. the thing. That's why I say it's outsiders versus insiders from here on out. Because, look, Trump disrupted things. He took their power. He took their money. And they want it back. They're not going to just, you know, when Trump, you know, takes the White House, they're not going to just go down and go home. No, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a generational fight. And you got to keep fighting to get these people out. Like, there is not, look, yeah, Democrats are crazy. We all know that. Okay, cool. But there is nothing that drives me up a wall more and that fires me up more than taking down establishment, elite, cucky, conservatives i don't even want to call them conservatives i'm just going to call them a static cucky elitist establishment conservatives yeah because they're not conservative and they're not democ um liberal either they are simply elites there's a huge difference because these people just care about money and power they want to keep their money and keep their power when somebody comes and threatens that, they will try to get rid of that person. They will even roar, work across any party line that may exist. It doesn't matter. They all no, have the they, same. No, it, well, it's, it's well, it's not. I mean, and and by and Ivanka made a pretty good point in her speech. By the way, Ivanka Trump. What oh, a shit, speech! Yeah. What a speech! Like she's just like. She did great in 2016. She did great the, the uh, today tonight. Like I mean, just I she's so well spoken and intelligent. Like geez, it's just like it's just like incredible. But any but in any case, um, she brought up you know that that these these uh, these repo- these establishment politicians all they're doing is um. Uh, bitching or complaining uh and using that as an excuse not to not to get anything done and then they kick the can down the road and try to use that for future elections versus actually getting something done and this is what this is why donald trump is on a whole nother level different from them you know and and really i mean i personally believe that they're doing this intent like like Democrats and Republicans are doing this both intentionally to cover up for their own incompetence, right? I think that I think it's an intentional. It's they're intentionally creating division amongst themselves, the appearance of division amongst themselves. So that way, tribalism is created. Therefore, cre- chaos is created. Therefore, distractions are created from their own incompetence, like. Because if they're, because if you're, because if you're playing the tribal game against the Democrats and the Democrats are playing tribal against you, 
what you're not talking about is the complete incompetence that these establishment politicians are doing. So, I mean, Donald Trump doesn't give a shit about any of that. He's like, well, let's just get some shit done. Mm-hmm. Like he's been doing that his whole life. He's just been, he's been a guy that's like, look, let's, we need to make shit happen. Let's make stuff happen. Uh, not 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 big on excuses. Not big on complaining. Just get done. Get it done. Let's work. Yeah. Well, it's getting a bit late, and we can talk off air a bit. But I figure we should wrap this stream up. Um, because it's already getting on one a.m. here. Yeah. Yep. Approaching Friday. Oh my God. Another week, almost on August. We're down to the final two months really of the election here. 68 days. Yes, I have a tracker I look at every day, and it's going to be imprinted in my fucking head, knowing what mm-hmm. how many days are left till Judgment Day, as I call it. That's what it, it is. is it's, it's, it's Judgment Day. It is the day, like, look, I know this always gets said, like, oh, this is the most important election, da-da-da-da. The difference with this one is that if we have four more years of Trump, it's, I mean, who knows what's possible? Yeah. It's literally the possibilities are endless because there's no fucking, who, wh- why would he care about anything? And I mean in the positive way, not like, oh, he's going to burn the country down. I mean, he doesn't have to go, oh, but the optics of this. Oh, but my reelection. No, it's just like, let's just do it. That's, the main thing that's setting him apart from everybody else. Just just get the shit done. Yep. It's going to be interesting. Right. Very get, interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, keep your eyes on the prize. Okay? Yeah. This is, this, is, this is my message to every one of you. Keep your eyes on the prize. Okay, we, we had a good Republican National Convention. It was a fantastic one. And all of us feel good, as we should. But let's make no mistake we have to keep our eyes on the prize on this one because if we drop our guard that might that that could be enough for anybody to gain even a little bit of momentum we don't want that we want we are we've got a mission we need to we need to complete that mission so with that said have a good night guys we'll see you on uh we'll we'll see you on saturday um and uh yeah later gators see ya wash your hands and it ended